This week's scripture reading is from 1 Samuel. One time, after eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah got up and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting in the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Hannah was very upset and couldn't stop crying as she prayed to the Lord. Then she made this promise, Lord of heavenly forces, just look at your servant's pain and remember me. Don't forget your servant. Give her a boy. Then I'll give him to the Lord for his entire life. No razor will ever touch his head. They got up early the next morning and worshiped the Lord. Then they went back home to Ramah. Elkanah had sex with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, which means, I asked the Lord for him. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength rises up in the Lord. My mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice, rejoice in your deliverance. No one is holy like the Lord. No, no one except you. There is no rock like our God. Don't go on and on, talking so proudly, spouting arrogance from your mouth, because the Lord is the God who knows, and he weighs every act. The bows of mighty warriors are shattered, but those who were stumbling now dress themselves in power. Those who were filled full now sell themselves for bread, but the ones who were starving are now fat from food. The woman who is barren has birthed seven children, but the mother with many sons has lost them all. The Lord, he brings death, gives life, takes down to the grave and raises up, the Lord, he makes poor, gives wealth, brings low, but also lifts up high. God raises the poor from the dust, lifts up the needy from the garbage pile. God sits with officials, gives them the seat of honor. The pillars of the earth belong to the Lord. He set the world on top of them. God guards the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked die in darkness, because no one succeeds by strength alone. The Lord, his enemies are terrified. God thunders against them from heaven. The Lord, he judges the far corners of the earth. May God give strength to his king and raise high the strength of his anointed one. Here ends the reading. Today's reading comes from 1 Samuel, and it has to do with Hannah, or Hannah and her prayer. When I look back on my life, I remember many cases of very important times when I've prayed. But I think one of the most important was when I was camping with the Boy Scouts. I was in Boy Scouts all growing up. But in the summer between 
freshman and sophomore year of high school, I went to Philmont Scout Camp and uh, hiked for 90 miles uh, for two weeks. And while I was out there, I remember I had a, a moment of, of clarity, a moment of faith, where I was sitting out on this large boulder looking out over a valley, and there was no one around, and it began to rain. I was about maybe five or ten minutes walk from the campsite where all of my friends were. I sat in the rain and I spoke to God. I got angry about all of the things that I was angry about in my life. I gave thanks for all of the things that I was thankful for. I begged for intercession. I begged for God to intervene in my life, to change things for the better, and to give me wisdom. This kind of prayer is the most honest, the most original, the, the deepest way that we communicate with God. And we hear it throughout the Bible. We hear it in the Old Testament and the New. We hear how the prophets, the men and women of the Old Testament spoke to God, and we hear how Jesus and his disciples spoke to God. We hear over and over again to continue to pray and pray and pray. And yet James tells us also that prayer is no good by itself if it's not followed up by action. When did you pray earnestly to God? When have you prayed earnestly? When have you really, in the lowest of your low, needed God and spoken with God? When, in the highest of your high, have you given thanks and praise to God. For many people, I think it seems like a strange thing. I think it's a strange thing that people often see Christians do and they, they wonder about it. Or not even just Christians, but religious people. But when I was a young child, I remember praying, even before I had attended church or before I really knew anything about God, I think it comes to us as the most natural, the most basic of in instincts. I think prayer is very important. In our reading today, we hear about the prayer of Hannah. Hannah, not sure. Hannah, we'll say. <laughs> you know, last uh, last week's lesson, we heard about Moses. And we hear about the Israelites in the desert, and after that, they. They travel for 40 years in the desert um, before they're finally able to enter the, the promised land, and they uh, and Moses dies before they enter. And Moses puts Joshua in charge, and Joshua goes throughout the promised land and defeats all the people there and begins to settle. And then there's a few more books in the Torah, uh, the books of the law, and then we end up in 1st Samuel. Actually, Ruth is first, and if you haven't read Ruth, uh, Ruth is my daughter's favorite book of the Bible. Uh, it's an excellent story. It's only a few pages long. I, I highly suggest it. Ruth is important because Ruth is one of Jesus's ancestors. But we come to 1st Samuel. 1st Samuel and 2nd Samuel and 1st uh, Kings and 2nd Kings uh, used to be uh, one book. Uh, they're they're often grouped together as the historical books. 
So first we have the books of the law, and then we have the books of history. And the, uh, the, the, these four books together tell the story of, of, uh, of Judah, of the, uh, the southern kingdom. First through, the, uh, uh, through Samuel, who is named, the book of the first Samuel is named after. Uh, at this time in, in um, the history of the, of the Israelites, they're, they're settling in Canaan, in the land that God promised to them. And they're trying to figure out how to live together and how to how to be a community. And up until this point, they've been they've been led by by religious leaders, by judges. And the problem they have is now they're being uh, besieged by various peoples, and they need they feel like they need a um, a king to rule over them. And so Samuel, uh, who uh, again is this book of Samuel I've heard, and whose uh, mother we hear praying in these, these verses, Samuel will become uh, the last kind of great judge of, of Israel. And he will anoint as king first Saul and then David. And of course, David is the great king uh, of the Jewish story, uh, the king who united uh, all of, of Israel into a united kingdom. And then David's son, Solomon, uh, continues from there. And then we have the kingdom breaking into two pieces after that, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, um, which we talked about a little bit before. So this book, 1 Samuel, is the account of um, how Samuel comes to be, how Samuel becomes a great uh, judge, and how he uh, anoints first Saul and then David as uh, kings of, of Israel. The, uh, you know, I talked before about how Exit, Genesis and Exodus were very much kind of in the realm of myth in this narrative. And, and now we really get into legend. We get, we get into, into books that um, are giving us much more detail about people. Uh, it's, it's much more likely that, that uh, these were real people who existed, um, who, who lived in, in this area. Um, one thing that, that historians are not really sure about is if there really was a large um, unified kingdom of Israel the, under the rule of David, or David was, for example, maybe just um, uh, a tribal chieftain or something. But that's not really important because the the, the, the importance of the story is in is in the narrative that it tells about the Jewish people and about where they come from. But and so now we're really into in kind of the the realm of legend or, or early history. And so uh, from here on in the books of the history, we get we get much more detailed information until we start to hear really things about um, uh, kings and, and wars that, that are backed up by evidence from other uh, archaeological sites from other kingdoms at this time, until finally we hear about um, the, uh, the exile in, into Babylon, um, which of course is a, is a completely historical uh, event. We have lots of, lots of um, proof outside of the biblical text about that event. So. Um, it's just kind of interesting. This, this is the time when it, we kind of we kind of fade between legend and, and history. But all of that is yet to come. At this point in the story, uh, what we have is we have this woman, uh, Hannah, and Hannah is um, Hannah is the wife of a man named Elkanah. And uh, Elkanah has two wives, 
he has Hannah and his other wife, whose name I honestly don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> um, uh, my guess is uh, uh, Penina, Penina, but I'm not sure. Uh, but his other wife, so uh, we're told that Elkanah married Hannah for love, but Hannah has not been able to give Elkanah any children. And so Elkanah has also married Penina to give him children. And Penina has had several children. And Elkanah really treats Hannah unfairly because he, uh, when he is a very religious man, when he goes to uh, to give offerings, he after you, you've given the burnt offering, the, the, the bull or the goat or whatever, um, some of it is burnt and some of it is kept by the priests and the remainder is eaten by the, by the family in the, in the, around the temple. And so uh, in, in that instance he he gives out the the the, the meat in uh, accordance to how many children there are and so and so uh, Hannah always kind of gets the short end of the stick and so finally uh, she's just completely fed up she's absolutely fed up and so she goes to the temple and this is before the building of the temple in Jerusalem because that's that's Solomon's temple so Solomon builds the temple in Jerusalem this is before that but there's a temple in Shiloh, um, which at this point um, is where the Ark of the Covenant, uh, which is a, a box containing uh, the Ten Commandments and various other things from the Israelites' time in the, in the Sinai Desert, um, that was, was one of the things that was described uh, by God uh, to Moses on, um, on, Mount, uh, on Mount Sinai. And so they've built this box, and... The, and uh, They've got it, and at this point, uh, this box is supposed to be in Shiloh. So this is this is kind of the main, the main um, altar to to Yahweh, to, to the, the Hebrew God at this point. And so she goes, and this this is really our only example in the Old Testament of um, of a woman going by herself to the temple to pray directly to God um, at the temple. Um, so you. You know the the Old Testament is, is you know a lot of men talked about, but not not so many women, not as many women. And this is the only example we have of a woman going and doing this. So she was she was very a very strong woman and and um, and very faithful. And so she goes and and she just she just gives her heart to God. She just expresses her deepest feelings and and thoughts to God. And and we didn't see it in our reading, but um, Eli, who is head of the, the head priest at the temple, is sitting in the spot he would normally be sitting at um, in the temple, and he he sees her praying, but she's not speaking. Her her lips are moving, but she's not saying anything because she's so wrapped up in what she's, what she's doing. And he thinks she must be drunk, and so he tells her, you know, you better stop drinking. Um, and she's like, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just really you know, deep in prayer. And he says, oh, well, in that case. You know, whatever you've prayed for will come true, and so she goes home, and then and then she's able to give birth later to her son. And, and the prayer she gives is um, is so honest. You know, Lord of heavenly forces, just look at your servant's pain and remember me. Don't forget your servant. Give her a boy. Then I'll give him to the Lord for his entire life. No razor will ever touch his head. She lives in this very patriarchal society, and she needs a boy, not just a child, but a boy. And so she prays for a boy, but she says, you know, if you give me a boy, then she thinks to herself, then I will be redeemed, because 
because if you were unable to have children, it was seen as somehow as God having uh, uh, not having favor on you, that you were you had done something wrong. That's why you were not having children. So to have a boy would prove that God had favored her, and so she doesn't even have to keep the boy. She says, you know, if, if you give me a boy, then I will give the boy to the Lord. I will, uh, I will, basically I'll make him a Nazarene. No, no razor will ever touch his head. There's a, this idea in the Old Testament that if you never shaved your, your body hair, if you never shaved your hair, um, your beard and everything, that, that you would, that you were especially devout. And so she, she says this, and kind of most impressively, she, she lives up to and, and goes through with her promise. So when God gives her a son, she keeps the son until the son is weaned, so probably three or four years. And then she, uh, then she takes the child back to Eli at the temple and, and gives him to Eli to raise as a priest in the temple. And then her and her husband return every year after that um, when they go up for the, for the annual festival, they go up and they, they uh, talk with their son and they bring him a gift of, of clothing every year. So she's not, she's not like, like getting rid of him and abandoning him. She's, she's putting him in the service of God in the temple and then she's following up continuously to make sure that he's okay. And then after this, she has other children. She has more uh, sons and daughters uh, and, and is, is quite happy. And then in the second chapter of Samuel here, after she gives uh, Samuel to Eli, we have this prayer, this very long prayer. <laughs> my heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength rises up in the Lord. My mouth mocks my enemies because I rejoice in your deliverance and so on and so forth. This prayer is almost certainly a later addition. Um, it, for one thing, it, it speaks of kings and things that didn't come along until after. And certainly, the entire book was written down later. It was, it was, going, it was originally oral tradition until it was written down. But uh, you know, whether or not Hannah actually said this prayer uh, is, is kind of not important. The point of it is it's placed in here as, as kind of a general prayer uh, of thanksgiving, prayer of intercession, uh, prayer to God. And it's very similar in uh, style and, and everything as the Psalms. It's very, it could very easily be a psalm instead of this prayer. Uh, we see another prayer kind of of this, this kind uh, in, in the New Testament in what's called the Magnificat, which is uh, the prayer of Mary that Mary gives when, when she finds out that she's pregnant uh, before the baby is, is born. So we have this kind of tradition of these, these um, prayer, long prayers to God. So that's the that's the text. So I think the the most important thing that you can get out of this text um, is not the stuff about Samuel. The stuff about Samuel is is good to know about the story and whatnot. And we're going to read um, in our next week. We're going to read a little bit more about Samuel and David and, and uh, what all happens there. But the important part and that I want you to focus on this week is on prayer, and especially on the idea that God hears the prayers of everyone. You know, as there there are many in, in the Christian community who want to say that only certain people, that God only hears certain people's prayers. Only those who are just, only those who are devout, uh, only those who pray in particular ways, um, 
only those who follow particular prayers. But that's not what the text tells us. And in fact, um, the text tells us the opposite. The text tells us that God hears the prayers of everyone. Um, you know, God loves all of us. God loves those who are Christians. God loves those who are not Christians. God loves all of us as God's children. And God listens to our prayers. Now, sometimes our prayers are answered in ways that we don't expect. Sometimes our, you know, we pray for miraculous healing, or we pray for, for amazing things to happen, and they don't come to pass, and we feel wounded. We feel like we've been abandoned, like we've been cast aside, that we somehow must not be worthy of God's love. But that, that's not true. Prayer is a way for us to share our deepest thoughts, our deepest emotions with God. It's also a way for us to meditate for ourselves on what those are. Extemporaneous prayer, the, the, where you just pray whatever is in your heart, as Hannah did, is a wonderful spiritual practice to get into. And it doesn't have to be out loud. In fact, Jesus tells us um, that rather than pray loudly on the street corner where all can hear, it's much better to pray quietly in our closets <laughs> to ourselves uh, so that God can hear us quietly. Um, so you don't need to pray out loud. You can simply pray to yourself. Take a few minutes in the morning when you get up, maybe, to say a prayer. One of my favorite uh, TV shows is a, a TV about uh, about uh, ministry, anyway, is a TV show called The Rev, um, made by the B BBC, about uh, a minister in London. And uh, it, it shows a lot of... I mean, it, it's a very interesting show, and, and uh, the first season is really good, and the second two seasons are, are, are okay. But what I loved about it is that it shows the reality of, of uh, ministry in a lot of places. And one of the things that happens every every episode is, is that we, you know, it'll kind of pan in on on the, the reverend praying, and then we realize that he's sitting on the toilet uh, <laughs> in the morning um, after getting up praying praying to God. But I mean, the location of the prayer is not really important. The important part is that you open your heart, that you focus on on what you need, on what you're thankful for. Uh, you know, prayers of thanks. Prayers of intercession, when we ask God to intercede in our lives, to free us from oppression or from pain or from um, bad circumstances. Prayers of wonder. Uh, these are all great things to offer up to God. And we should feel like we can do that whenever we want. Um, we should, where you are doesn't matter. Um, you know, in the Buddhist tradition, they have sitting meditation, but they also have walking meditation and working meditation meditating while you clean your dishes um, and prayer is the same way you can give a prayer while you're cleaning your dishes you can give a prayer while you're driving to work or riding the, the train you can give a prayer when you get up in the morning or right before you go to bed but getting in the habit of praying on a regular basis uh, I have found it to be really helpful and there are ways we can integrate prayer into our life more through um, kind of uh, patterns of prayer, like the, what they call the daily office and things. But 
What really matters is just that you open your heart to God and you speak your mind. And you know, if you're angry at God, be angry at God. There's nothing wrong with that. There's lots of examples in the in the text of people who were very angry at God and who who said so. And if you're thankful, be thankful. So, with that in mind, let us pray for a minute. God, we are grateful for all that you do for us, for all that you give us. This time in our world is so challenging, so difficult, so different from times that anyone alive has experienced. Watch over us. Hold us in your love. Let us know that we are loved by you and by those around us, even when we feel like we may not be. God, look out for those who are ill. Look out for those who travel, those who work late, those who must continue to work and do things to keep our society moving, even though it's dangerous. God, in this time of nationalism, this time of difficult political division, help us to see your face. Help us to see God in our neighbor, in our enemies, in those with whom we argue, so that we remember that we are all children of God. And yet, don't let that put out our righteous anger at the oppression that is in our world, at the evil that is in our world. Let us speak truth to power while still maintaining and holding the fact that we are all children of God. God, keep us safe. Look out for our loved ones. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.